Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. for Greg Gabriel Talks Football, you've come to the right place because that gentleman there beside me is Greg Gabriel. I am Aldo Gandia. Thanks for being here. And a quick note, J.J. Stankovitz was scheduled to be with us, but he had a family illness that he's attending to. Nothing serious. Uh, he's going to join us sometime in, uh, in a week or so. So, Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How about you? I am hopeful. I'm getting better by the minute. Greg, I got to tell you, of all the people I talk football with, the one guy that i climb up a mountain and then i see at the top of that mountain wearing some kind of maharishi outfit is greg gabriel and i come to you for inspiration and knowledge so please tell me about matt eberflus and is this a good hire or not well i'm I, i'm gonna back up a little bit on this because you know go back to our our uh earlier our conversation earlier this week i guess that's the right way of putting it okay the um when Morocco Brown was taken up, taken out of the, the picture, mm -hmm. I thought that meant Eberflus might be too, because while it wasn't necessarily a package, you knew that there was a strong tie because the two had worked together for the last four years. Mm -hmm. And so then I thought, okay, it's, it's Quinn or Caldwell. But what I didn't know and, came to find out is that Ryan Poles was also high on Eberflus. So, and then, you know, he interviewed all three and you got your wish. He did it by himself. Yay. <laughs> and uh, as my wife would say, when she's referring to my dog, my dog talks, you know, my wife's the voice, but my dog talks. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> She said, I did it by my own self. So, <laughs> that is great. <laughs> so um, so what are your thoughts on Matt Eberflus? Uh, clearly, uh, you know a lot about him because of your association with Greg Ballard, excuse me, Chris Ballard at Indianapolis and from your contacts around the league and so forth. What do you hear from him? I hear nothing but sterling reports that he's a great culture uh, builder and very, very meticulous about how he goes about his work. Very smart, very organized, great leader. And, and this is the, the two things that I think being a head coach are most important. Great leader and holds the players accountable. And that. he's a very good. And he's a very good teacher. Mm -hmm. So, you know, players. If you if you listened yesterday, um, 
somebody inter- oh it was Jeff Joniak interviewed uh Lee his linebacker in in Dallas and Lee was like all positives on him and then they talked to Marinelli and I don't know if you heard that interview no I, I missed that one yeah Mar- well everybody talked to Marinelli Joniak talked to him he was on the score with uh Speaks and Parkins, and then um, Jared Payton had him on too. Uh-huh. So now my, I'm guessing here, but, and I don't know betting odds how they work, but I I don't know. I I'd say he's an odds-on favorite to be here in another few days. If if the Satya doesn't keep the Raiders job, and it looks like. He's not going to. Yeah, too bad. And Rod will be available. Rod is the guy who basically taught this defense to Eberflus. They're they're close. And whether he'd be the coordinator, the defensive line coach, or assistant head coach, or whatever, he is, you know, he's going to be spending time with the defensive line. And in all the years I've been in football, he is hands down the best defensive line coach I have ever seen. Mm. And, you know, his way, you know, he's an ex-Marine. And he just, you know, he's not a holler guy, get in your face guy. He's a teacher. Mm-hmm. And his his belief is that all good coaches have to be teachers first especially your position coaches. Mm-hmm. And that's how he brought up Eberflus. You know, you've got to, and, and, you know, if you look at Matt's background, he originally was a walk-on at Toledo. And then I heard somebody last night say, well, he wasn't really a walk-on. His mother worked at the school, so he was getting free tuition anyway, so they didn't have to give him a scholarship. <laughs> And then they gave him one anyway, but, um, you know, because he earned it out. He was a starter as a freshman. So you're, he's, you know, a very positive type guy. But like I say, the, the fact that, that um, he holds players accountable, mm-hmm. that's important to me because that then they know they're not going to get away with anything. Mm-hmm. You know, the inmates aren't going to rule the prison, so yep. to speak, you know, and, and, uh, Chris said very, very mature, uh, articulates things very, very well, gets along with people, mm-hmm. players like him, but at the same time, he knows how to drive them. Mm. That is, uh, music to the ears of every Chicago bears fan, given what we've seen, with defensive backs not touching down receivers who have fallen to the ground and allowing them to get back up and get extra yardage, even a touchdown in one or a touchdown or two in, in some instances. So uh, the fact that he has the respect of the players, but he makes them accountable uh, is music to the ears of all Bears fans. That's great. Um, what do you are you what are you hearing? Because this is the 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 million dollar question. Who's going to be the offensive coordinator? Who is going to develop Justin Fields? What's this offense going to look like? Well, there's two candidates right now. And and back up a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. When a guy goes through an interview process to be a head coach, he's got a sh- he has to present a short list mm-hmm. of who he wants to be the OC, the offensive line coach, et cetera. And the most important hires he has to make are the two coordinator positions and the two line coaches. Mm-hmm. You get those right, you got a chance. Yeah, right on. So that being said, now there's – I talked to one of the guys today at length, Pep Hamilton. David Kaplan mm-hmm. says – Pep's here right now. Pep told me he's interviewing tomorrow. Wow. So, um, I, you know, I don't know. I didn't ask him if he's in Houston, but we went over, you know, he called me at 830 this morning. Uh And um, first question out of his mouth was, Greg, what do you think of Fields? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And so you know, we, we talked about that. We talked and then went literally over the, you know, he's not real familiar with, with the Bears personality. He was coaching the Houston Texans mm-hmm. and they didn't play each other. So there was no crossover. Mm-hmm. So he, um, I went over the personnel with him, uh, gave him what my opinion was anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he said he was going to watch tape the next few hours. Now, whether that meant he was going to watch tape for the next few hours over at Hallis Hall and, and then sit down and have his interview. Uh, like I said, he didn't say he was in Houston. He just said the interview was tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now Apparently. I'll say this. Now, I've mm-hmm. known Pep since when did he first come here? 06? Uh, I'll double check that. That sounds right. Okay. Around that. He, he, he's not a good coach. He's a great coach. So I worked with him here and then I was his director of player personnel when he was the head coach of the DC defenders in the XFL. Mm -hmm. And the reason he went there was, you know, and he left, he was the offensive coordinator at Michigan, the two or three previous years. And he left that just to have that opportunity to run his own show. But you look at his resume of who he's developed, starting off with Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. Okay, then, you know, he, he had some good quarterback play at, at Michigan, and he didn't have very good quarterbacks to work with. But fast forward, last year, he's the quarterback coach for the Los Angeles Chargers, and they had some rookie by the name of uh, Justin Herbert who lit it up Pretty and good. It was Pat Hamilton. Then this year he gets like a real late round guy, Mills from Stanford mm-hmm. and Pep is partial to those Stanford guys because he uh, uh, coached at Stanford for a long time as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Yeah. And he did a remarkable job with that kid and you know he, he i said before teaching is important mm-hmm. he's not a good teacher he's a great teacher mm. and he knows offensive football his offense has 
evolved over the years. When he first came to, and, and part of this is because he was working with uh, Andrew Luck, was that, you know, he, he coached Luck at, at, at Stanford, mm-hmm. and then he gets Luck right away with the Colts. And to keep that continuity going, he kept pretty much the same offense. Mm-hmm. But the offense has evolved quite a bit since then. And that original scheme, I remember we had a conversation once, and this goes back. In fact, he was he had just gotten a job in Cleveland, and he was driving back and forth between Cleveland and uh, uh, Indianapolis, where he was previously. And I was driving back from Eugene Parker's funeral, and I – you know, Pep gave me a call and we, we talked for probably an hour and a half. But he explained then that that Stanford Colts scheme that he was using. And really for every play call, there's two plays. Okay, so whatever the terminology is. And the quarterback makes the determination at the line of scrimmage one part of the play is a run, the other part of the play is a pass. Mm-hmm. And depending on what the preset read is, the quarterback then goes one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's some option involved. But that's evolved quite a bit, and he doesn't use as much as that. He's gotten into the RPO game, et cetera, because of the you know type of quarterbacks. You're getting a lot more athletic quarterbacks. and um, But he, he knows football. Great, great, great coach. And the skins are on the wall as far as his ability to develop quarterbacks. I love that expression, skins are on the wall. Winston wants to know, what is he, Pep Hamilton like as a person? Oh, he's, he's superb. You know, I, like I say, I, I, and I'll tell you a story. And I, and I told the story when I was interviewing for the player personnel job in D.C. And... Pep already knew that he was going to hire me. I didn't know that he was going to hire me, but he I, he needed me to sell the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I had to give my philosophy. And But then I told a story, and, you know, when Pep first came here, I couldn't stand the guy. Really? <laughs> he, came from, he came from San Francisco. Uh-huh. And, you know, I just thought he was a little standoffish, and he came in kind of, demanding mm-hmm. and you know he want this done want that done and and then he had his own views on the quarterbacks in the draft and i'm like hey man we got scouts have been out all year doing this you got to write some reports and and so anyway we didn't hit it off very good huh so after the draft we uh decided to go out and play a game of golf and have been very close ever since. Hmm. Wow. And uh, I should say around the golf. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you work things out. And, and since, I mean, we, right from that point on, mm-hmm. we were in step the rest of the time he was here in Chicago. And that's why he brought me into DC. Mm. That's awesome. So you're not going to hear me say a negative thing about Pep Hamilton. And I would be thrilled if if he's the OC here because then I know 
Justin Fields is in good hands. That is great to hear. Really great to hear. And uh, PZ wants to know, does Pep Hamilton have, does he have head coaching aspirations? The big concern is, is that he comes in here for a year, the offense explodes, and then we lose him, which happens in the NFL all the time. But but Pep wants to be a head coach again, right? Damn right. Everybody, that's everybody's goal. Mm-hmm. And he was, and, I, and he's been on lists. The... I got a call from a former GM. This is um, right after, so it was a year ago, after the XFL had, had folded. And it's a guy who's on one of these diversity committees, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to know about Pep and what I thought because he knew I worked with him in two different situations. And um, really is, is a name for potential head coach and not just NFL, but head, head coach in college too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Pep, the last couple, last three stops haven't been very long that the XFL because of COVID mm-hmm. we'd still be going strong and he'd still be there if it wasn't because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, then he goes out to the Chargers, and the head coach gets fired. So, you know, your your longevity's out the window. And then he goes to the Texans. So, now he's had other opportunities. He interviewed, but turned down an OC job. I don't want to say where, but I know why. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you off the air, but I'm not going to tell you on the air. Okay. <laughs> I, I just don't want to say bad things about, you know, certain coaches. Certainly. Yeah, you, you never know. <laughs> he had an opportunity to um, interview for the OC job in Carolina just in the past few weeks, turn that down because he looked at the Carolina job. He just said, I don't know if that's a good situation. That could be a one and done. And I'm sick of one and done. You know, he wants some stability. But that being said, he wants to be a head coach too. And and obviously his work is an OC and developing Justin Fields, if he in fact gets this job, um, that would go a long way towards him being a strong head coach candidate in the future. But hey, that that's if if he is and he gets a job, that means Eberflus made the right pick. Yeah. You're right. And and McVeigh has lost a bunch of coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nick Saban loses coaches every year. Mm-hmm. You know what he does? He finds another good one. Yep. You got you teach those coaches well what your scheme is and how you want things done and and if you got a good pupil, he will then become a good teacher. Um, Ray Rojas wants to know, uh, is there any substance to reports that he's read that Rod Marinelli is waiting to return back to the Bears? Uh, is that even possible, given the, the how fractious the relationship was when he left? Yeah, but that was, that was with Phil Emery. That had to do with Phil Emery. So nothing to do with McCaskey and Phillips. So that, no, that was he. I'll tell you what happened. He was 
Phil had him interview Tressman and Arians. Mm-hmm. And give me your take. <laughs> and and Rod said, it's Arians, hands down. Right. <laughs> and uh, when, when Phil took Tressman, there was no way he was. So sad that we could have Bruce Arians here and, and really get to see Jay Cutler in his element because that would have been the vertical offense of all vertical offenses in Chicago Bears history. But, you know, the, the question was, do I think God's going to be back? And the answer is yes. Do yeah. I know that for sure? No. I mean, God, God's my head. So, but his knowledge of football is rare. And like I said earlier, best line coach, defensive line coach I've ever been around. He's a great coordinator. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy who taught Eberflus the defense. Mm. So what? why aren't you, why wouldn't a pupil hire his teacher? Mm-hmm. Now he's under contract to the Raiders. And so it really, uh, you know, he was asked that question by Spiegel and Parkins yesterday and he got real vague. He goes, well, right now I'm under contract to the Raiders with my good buddy, Rick Passaccia, and uh, you got to see what happens there. Read between the lines is, unless Passaccia stays the head coach, he's uh, he's out of there and, and probably here. And then Big Z wrote last night that um, Passaccia, if he doesn't get the uh, head coaching gig in Vegas, then he's the guy they want for special teams here. This is a uh, really exciting times for Bears fans as they form a coaching staff that hopefully is going to add uh, wins to the win column and not L's to the L column. Um, a lot of people are talking about this young guy who is the 49ers uh, offensive coordinator, Mike McDaniel. He looks like my barista. Um, what do you know about this guy? He's supposed to be some wonderkin. Uh, uh, have you heard anything about him being potentially a candidate for offensive coordinator for the Bears? I know he's interviewing for head coaching jobs right now. You hear anything about him? I, you know, I, I know nothing about him. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, I don't know. Him. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't follow the 49ers that much. I never heard of the guy until yesterday. And then I saw some interviews on YouTube, and he looks like the mad scientist. But uh, he might be a very knowledgeable guy. I, you know, I don't know. He's not the play caller. Shanahan is right. And and I just got a problem with you're going to hire a guy to be your play caller, and if he doesn't have experience being a play caller, mm-hmm. then you don't know exactly what you're getting. Okay, Pep has been a play caller in the National Football League, been a play caller in college, Mm -hmm. and been successful at both. So he has that experience. Um, The other candidate supposedly is Luke Getze, the passing game coordinator in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether there's another guy, I don't know, but – you know, again, Getsy's not the, the play caller. LaFleur right. is. This is that's LaFleur's offense up there. Mm-hmm. So now you're to me, now that's Matt Nagy all over again. You got somebody coming down with 
using somebody else's offense, and he hasn't driven that offense. He's been the passenger. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, if I'm going to buy a race car driver, I want a guy who's been behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. <coughs> well, we'll see if uh, if McDaniel is first going to be offered a head coaching job, and if he's not, then we'll uh, be paying attention to see if there's any interest for the Bears to lure him over what would be not a lateral move because he'd have the opportunity for the first time in his career to call plays. And so that would be big for his career. Um, right. And, and, you know, right now you can't even hire the guy, mm-hmm. you know, because San Francisco is still playing now. And, and if they win uh, Sunday, then it's two more weeks before you can get him. How that job's going to be filled. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, oh. you know, I'd like to see it filled today. Or tomorrow, whatever day Pep is really. (laughs) (laughs) One more question about Pep from someone in the chat room. Uh, What's his devotion to the run game? He's equally devoted. You know, I I told him, I said, he's going to have, he's, he's going to have as good a pair of running backs as he's ever had. Mm -hmm. And I said, I think that's the real strong part. And I said, then you've got, the hidden question of Tariq Cohen. Mm-hmm. And he knows all about Tariq Cohen. I said, but, you know, can he play? It's been a year and a half removed. He didn't play this year. So there was rumors of that he had a second surgery. I said, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. You can find that out when you, when you interview. Um, but, you know, he's a special player when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. But you... Got to find out if he's healthy first. Exactly. That is key. Uh, Wishing Tariq the uh, absolute very uh, best. Uh, The Bears have a reported $42 million in a salary cap space available, but they've only got like 34, 35 players under contract. So there's a lot of money available but a lot of holes to fill do you think there is the possibility of a big free agent signing that is free agency is right around the corner and so i'm sure one of the many things that the new general manager is involved with is trying to determine you know where the money could go to to maybe pick up a premier left tackle or a wide receiver uh who uh has some a reputation to him I don't know if they can go after left tackle because it just drafted two tackles. Mm-hmm. Okay. And left tackles, unless you're getting a bargain like they did on Peters for two million bucks, mm-hmm. cost a lot of money. And like, so now I think there's probably guys on this roster that aren't going to be on the roster, and you know once the the coaching staff and and the personnel department go through the tape and say, okay, this guy's a fit. This guy's not a fit. This guy isn't playing up. And and I'll say this, and I don't want to sound confusing. I got one philosophy on contracts with players. And if a guy's making $5 million, he's got to give you 5 million back in production. Yep. Or got to, or you have to get rid of him. That, and, and, and for that reason, as good as Akeem Hicks is, 
I don't think he'll be back unless he can come back at a bargain basement price. You know, he, he's missed so much time the last two years and he's getting up in age. And then he say, okay, where's he fit in this scheme? And we could talk about this scheme a little bit too, because I know that scheme like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, is he a perfect fit? Probably not. But you've got, when Lovey came here, we might have mentioned some of this before, but, you know, we had Keith Trailer and Ted Washington inside, Philip Daniels and, and Alex Brown as the ends, and, and Greg Blasher's 4-3. One of those guys was a fit for Lovey's scheme, and that was Alex Brown. Mm-hmm. Okay, the other guys were fit because Greg Blash played a – it was a four-man front with three-man front principles and a lot of two-gapping, and and you had those big trucks in the middle at, between Trailer and, and and Washington that you know you weren't going to move off the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and but those type of players can't play in Lovey scheme because it's a one-gap penetrating scheme. So you go over the the. Uh, Bears defensive roster. And right off the bat, you know, Khalil Mack and, and Quinn are listed as outside linebackers. Well, earlier in their career, they were listed as defense events. That's right. Because they're edge guys. Their job is rush the passer. And they are perfect fits for that scheme. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eddie Goldman can still play the nose. The nose really doesn't play head up over the center in this scheme very much. He's sometimes lined up as a one, which means he's in, in the gap between center and guard. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's lined head up uh, on a guard, but he is seldom right over the center. And then the three technique is, is often between the guard and the tackle or over the guard. But the most important guys when Lovey came in, he said, I got to have three things. And Eberflus is just a little bit different. Got to have three technique. I got to have a will linebacker. And I got to have a safety. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Mike Brown was the safety. Lance Briggs was the will, t- was the will linebacker. And then um, we, we, we didn't have the three technique. In that draft, we drafted Tommy Harris. Oh, awesome. Who was the, the three? So, but that's what makes the defense go. Now, Eberflus, he said his three most important guys are the three technique, the will linebacker, and the slot corner. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, a little bit different there. And right, right now, I'm going to say, there's a weak point there would be the slot. Who's your slot corner going to be? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's an area of concern. I think Ball Nichols can play the three without a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, he's athletic enough, quick enough, explosive enough. Eddie Goldman might want him to drop 10 pounds, but he could easily play. That's, you know, Anthony Adams was that. Nose tackle. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and Anthony wasn't very tall, but he had real long arms, very strong, very explosive, you know, first step. Um, he's going to have those. Now, it was what, what Lovey never had, and Tony Dungy never had, mm-hmm. when, when this defense developed, was a Mike linebacker like Brian Erlacher. Right. So that that brought a new dynamic, you know, to the whole scheme mm-hmm. because now you had two. You had a Will and a Mike. Now, Lovey, when he first got here, and I, I know I told the story on here a while ago, mm-hmm. he's in my office, and I have, you know, Jerry didn't have the team on his board. I had it on mine because our offices were right across from each other. Mm-hmm. So I had, like, the depth chart up on, on the wall and had their – College high weight, combine high weight and speed and all that. So he's looking the well and he sees Briggs. Now he's never coached Briggs a day yet. Mm-hmm. And he sees 477, I think was his combine time or something. Man, I can't have that by will. <laughs> That's too slow. And Jerry and I are both like, no, Lovey, trust me. He plays 455. Mm-hmm. And you know, it didn't take lovely long to figure out that we were right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, uh, and, and, you know, Marinelli was singing Briggs praises too. Mm-hmm. So saying that, okay, who's your will here? Roquan Smith. So you've got, and, and, and who was Eberfluss's will in, in Indy? Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard. Same draft. Yep. Same draft, right? And Second round. Yeah, you got to, you know, that's that's a very, very important piece of the defense. So mm-hmm. it's already here. You don't have to go get one. Okay, who's going to be the Mike? Well, my guesses would be Ogletree because that Mike's got to do, you know, he's got to cover the middle of the field and <laughs> coverage. Mm-hmm. One of Ogletree's strong points is coverage. And he's not a bad player against the run either. Right. I mean, Brian Erlacher, but how many of those guys are there besides none? There's one. So it's, I, I think the makings are there. You don't really care about who the Sam linebacker is because he's not going to be in there very much anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get when into when you get into your um, sub defenses, that Sam linebacker's out, and you're bringing in another defensive back. Mm-hmm. You know, so and and they, you know, I think I said that there's a weakness at the <clears throat> at the slot corner. I think if he can get Eddie Jackson back to where he was, they're pretty strong. You know, they're going to be strong through the middle, which is how I learned the defense originally, being strong through the middle. Right. It's it's uh, the way I've learned it, too. You went at the trenches, and uh, it's, and the trenches start in the middle. Um, yeah, but, I mean, that that particular scheme. Gotcha. You, got to, you know, you got to be strong through the middle. And, you know, there's always been variations of it. You know, when Lovey first came, we were playing a lot of zone. That's where you get that Tampa, too. You're playing, you know, two deep zone. But mm-hmm. we had some guys between Tillman and, and Nate Vasher that were excellent man-to-man cover guys. Mm-hmm. So then you'd start 
playing more man with it. And I know Eberflus played more man when he was down in Indy. And it's, it's, you know, really determined by your personnel that you can make these adjustments. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, take a quick look at uh, free agents uh, at the middle linebacker position. I'll read out some names here and stop me if you want to comment on any of them. Dante Hightower, who is uh, going to be 32 very soon, uh, is probably the highest market value inside linebacker. Well, you got to have a guy. You got to have a guy that can run. This defense is predicated on speed. Okay. So if they're not fast and, or play fast, because Lance didn't time fast, but he played real fast, mm-hmm. uh, then the guy isn't a fit for the scheme. You're and right. that's where, where Ogletree comes in. And I don't think I don't think Danny Trevathan is a real fit in the scheme. No, he's not. You know, so I'd say chances are Danny Trevathan is not going to be a Chicago Bear next year. Yeah. I mean, even based on his performance, unfortunately, the injuries just uh, have kind of derailed his uh, his performance on the football field. So I think his days are over. Uh, great player for a few years with the Chicago Bears, but time to move on. And in fairness, he came on, you know, he played pretty good when he played this year. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but – you know, they played him more in a rotation. But Ogletree was clearly the better player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they went into the season thinking Trevathan was going to be the starter, and, and Ogletree flat beat him out in the preseason. Yep. You sure. know, if you go back to preseason, he jumped. He was one of the guys that really jumped out yep. at John Tate. Yep. And – when he's a rookie, when he was a rookie, the first couple of years, when he was with the Rams, he was in the upper echelon of, of Mike linebackers in the league. Mm-hmm. And then, and I don't know why, his, somebody said, bring John Bostic back. No. No. Um, <laughs> the, you know, Ogletree was, you know, his career went downhill. I have no idea why, but he resurrected it against the Bears. Sure did. Or with the Bears. So, mm-hmm. you know, going in, they're going to look at that tape last year and, you know, they're going to say, yeah, he can play. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm pretty convinced of that. So, but the, the real thing is, isn't the guys, they, they got the guys that they can play this defense without making a bunch of changes. Well, when Lovey came in, we had to make a boatload of changes. I mean, we had to change the whole defensive line except for Alex. Right. You know, we brought in Alawali Agunlie, drafted Tommy, drafted Tank Johnson, brought in Spice Adams. Mm-hmm. You know, so totally different look across the line. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry uh, Golden wants to know, would you give Kirksey a look uh, at that middle linebacker position? Uh, Christian Kirky, 29 years old, uh, plays with the Texans. Played 13 games this year, had 93 tackles, two quarterback hits, no sacks, one interception. Uh, what do you think about Christian Kirksey? I, I don't because I've never really studied him since he's been in the in the, in the game. But mm-hmm. he's been predominantly a three-four inside linebacker, mm-hmm. and 
unless he's got that speed and range, he's not going to be a fit for this scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Walker. You don't have to have, you don't have, to have big guys uh-huh. at the linebacker position. You got to have run and hit guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anthony Walker, uh, he wasn't at uh, – Anthony Walker was a, a Cleveland Brown. He wasn't with uh, – No, he was at he was at the Colts for a while. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. He's, right. take that, he might have been drafted by the Colts. My bad. Excuse me. Um, regarding the, uh, the, the defense – well, let me let me ask you this because somebody mentioned that dropping Danny Trevathan is going to be a three million dollar cap hit, and I think that's accurate. I I've almost feel like we have to have low expectations for the twenty twenty two season because if you're going to do a roster overhaul, it's going to be mean signing one year bridge players so that then you can really, really attack the roster in 2023 when the cap amount of dollars is going to explode with the TV contract. To For Bears fans to expect a dramatic roster upheaval with outstanding football players, with particularly with the limited amount of draft picks, I think it's, it's, it's a fair well, they, they don't have a first, but they have a high second. Right. The chances are uh, – that, that brings up a point. It's Ian Cunningham's coming in today too to interview for. Oh yeah, sounds like the assistant GM position. Interesting. And I don't know him, but I you, when you look at his resume, uh, he, was it Philly? And before he was at Philly, he was with the Ravens. And the Ravens, as far as I'm concerned, got the best scouting department of the league as far as developing scouts mm-hmm. they are outstanding and that started with ozzy newsom so and this guy is is they're not going to bring him in unless they want to hire him and the eagles gave permission so you know by the end of the day or maybe tomorrow he's going to be the assistant gm okay now what's that give you Chicago Bears reports that you already have. Mm-hmm. Kansas City Chiefs reports on players. And the Philadelphia Eagles reports on players. So you've got really three teams in these guys' heads of, you know, who likes who. That gives you a lot of ammo. I mean, as far as, or ammo's not the right word, a lot of knowledge. Yeah. And because now, you know, you're getting – you, you got a perspective from, from three different clubs and they might not be the same, which is, you know, it's an imperfect science, mm-hmm. but knowing what, what three teams think going into a draft is, is invaluable, mm-hmm. you know? So, but now, you know, looking at the roster and I don't know if we're getting ahead of ourselves in this thing, you got to get a couple receivers. Have to, because A-Rob's not going to be here. Unless something miraculous happens and he comes off his $20 million a year figure, mm-hmm. you got to go out. you got to get a receiver to play across your Mooney. Right. Okay. Then you got, you know, Demir Bird and, and Goodwin. You know, Bird actually, in, in my opinion, exceeded expectations. 
but is he a top three? Not in my opinion. Yeah. You know, he's a four and he can play special teams. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what Goodwin is. He's a four. And so they got to go out and get two receivers. Mm-hmm. One's got to be a big guy. My opinion. I, yep. I mean, I just, because Mooney's not the biggest guy in the world. You got a lot of, um, uh, big receivers in the league. They can be matchup problems and they don't have to be the speediest guys. A-Rob was a four, five, five guy, mm-hmm. you know, coming out of college. They got to know how to ro- run routes. They got to have that extended catch radius. In other words, you don't catch in here. You can do this. Right. And, and, you know, make the back shoulder grabs and get the low grabs. Remember I was doing Michael Irvin at when he was at Miami coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Full speed across the field on a crossing route, and the mm-hmm. ball came in low, so he had to go down. He must have caught that ball six, eight inches off the ground, and he never broke stride. Wow! And just kept going. It was like as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Holy shit!" You know? <laughs> because amazing. the flexibility involved, yeah, and the body control involved. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed that I can even remember that. That was like a hundred years ago. <laughs> but um, did you go to the strip bars with him afterwards? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> who was the big um, big nose tackle who, who played for New England? Oh, oh man, I remember his. Oh, t- I, I know the. the Picture of him was right in front of me. I just oh my gosh! I'll, I'll never forget the image of his feet were sweating. Uh, Wolfork, thank you, uh, MF. You you win the award, Vince Wolfork. Yeah, Vince Wolfork. Yeah. Okay. Vince was in the. It, it, you know, he was in the in play because even at three hundred and forty pounds, he could he ran. I was at the Miami Pro Day. Now I had dinner with Vince the night before, and. We thought he could play the three. Now, he got bigger when he was in New England, but he was about 315 or something at the Miami Pro Day. Uh-huh. And, you know, ran like a 505. And for a big guy like that, that That's was amazing. amazing. But anyway, you know, like a lot of these football factories, he didn't go to class. He used to go. He, he's telling me this the night before when we have a dinner. You know, he used to go fishing all the time. He had a buddy who had a boat, and they go out fishing. He asked me, he says, hey, you want to go fishing after the thing? You know, you can come along, man. Pretty cool. that, that's what he liked to do. Love it. Uh, back to the offensive line for a second. Can you picture somebody like a Jason Peters signing a one-year deal uh, in case – you are thinking about moving those two tackles that you drafted or one of those two tackles that you drafted inside uh, because you feel a little bit more comfortable comfortable that Borum or Jenkins. Uh, is- I mean, you, you, they were drafted to play tackles, and even though it was this group has no affinity to those guys, they didn't right. draft them. Right. Um, still, you're – you know, they're, they're quality football players mm-hmm. and Jenkins tape really, if you look at it, it's not that bad, especially when you, when you throw in the fact that he had no camp, 
And when he got thrown in, he had limited reps before that, you know, physical reps because right. of the way practices are in the league mm-hmm. once you get, you know, through that halfway point. Right. So, you know, he was learning on the fly. Now, I think from an athletic standpoint, he easily is capable of being a pretty good left tackle. He needs to play. Yeah. And the only change I I, I would think, and I, I – told this to Pep, my, you know, my opinion was that I'd put Daniels back at center and then have a competition at right guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, might be um, bars or, you know, could be somebody they bring in in free agency. But I think, you know, when you're, when you're talking free agency and you, know, you might be able to get a pretty good receiver where they're drafting. History says you will get a good receiver where they're drafting. Mm-hmm. Um, but is he going to be ready to come in and, you know, Moody was a freak that, that they got him that late and he was that productive as, as a rookie. As a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, well, between the two, you got to get at least two receivers. Mm-hmm. And you got to get some DBs <laughs> and probably another interior lineman because you're losing, you're going to lose Akeem Hicks. Right. And again, now is Akeem Hicks lost? Well, you know, he's another guy. He wants big money, mm-hmm. you know, so you only got so many dollars to spend. Right. So you can't, you know, if you can get hit on a one year deal for $5 million, sign him. Yeah. But are you even going to get five million out of it because of how much he's been hurt the last two years? Exactly. That's the that's the big question with him because you know, I mean, when and when he played that late season game, uh, what was it uh, against the Vikings? He just had such an extraordinary game. He was so hyped up. It, it, the defense looked so different with him on the field. Yeah, but then he wasn't around after that. Yeah, exactly. He missed the last two or three games of the of the season, and it missed uh, a, a number of games prior to that. So, now, yeah, I, tells me there was something else going on. Yeah, and he I has promised to talk about that, so we can't wait to 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 see him uh, answer those questions because he was asked, you know, about what Matt Nagy, the Matt Nagy era. He goes, but frankly, I'll I'll answer those questions after the season's over. So. We shall see what he's got to say. Clearly, a lot of players, not a lot, but a handful of players have shared stories to media members about some of the Matt Nagy uh, blemishes, for lack of a better way of putting it. Yeah, but was it was it Matt Nagy? Was it his position coach? Mm-hmm. You know, was it? And that's why you know, if you got like Marinelli coming in, mm-hmm. now you got one of the best D-line coaches of all time. Yep. If, in fact, he does come. And even if it's coordinator, he's an individual. If you listen to Rod yesterday, mm-hmm. he said that 20, 25 minutes of individual is the most important part of practice. Mm. Interesting. Because he says, and that's where you got to teach your players and hold them accountable. There you go. There you go. And so he and and he's Everfluss got his philosophy from Rod, but your position coaches, your coordinators got to be X and O guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, your position coaches 
they got to be teachers. They have to be teachers. Absolutely. Yep. That's their job. <laughs> and so um, I, I want to, in these last few minutes that we have, I want to answer, I want to address some of the questions that were posed to you uh, in the chat room. PZ had a thought. He says, aside from George Hallis, the Bears have hired only two head coaches with prior head coaching experience. Is this a possible reason that they've had constant failure? Your thoughts? Um, if you look at the majority of head coach hirings in the National Football League, they're all first year, all mm -hmm. first time head coaches. It, it, they're very seldom do we see retreads. Yeah, John Fox is one. Mm -hmm. Belichick went, what, five years in between Cleveland and, and going to New England? Right. Um, and Pete Carroll was one, but for the most part, it's new coaches. And I, now I don't know if that had anything to do with, with Quinn not getting the job. Mm -hmm. um, some of these guys may be hot names because the overall depth of this year's coaching class mm -hmm. might, you know, sounds like good names, but it might be weak, you know, and, and, you know, I really was high on Brian Dayball, but then you hear the negatives. Mm -hmm. And the negatives are that he's he's not a strong communicator. He's not strong in interviews, put it that way. He can, right. he can coach, but he – so now, you know, your head coach got to be a leader. And, you know, it might be easy to lead the offensive side of the ball, mm -hmm. but you got to lead a whole team. Right. And does he have what it takes to lead a whole team? You know, and then with Flores, you know, he had some success at Miami, but, yep. you know, do your research and there's a lot of issues. Yeah. And so that could make it now. He may, because there's still seven jobs open, mm -hmm. he, he may end up getting a job. But to me, it's more because of default. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, uh, I agree with you. Uh, Tareen is saying that uh, Pep Hamilton is scheduled to interview with the Bears tomorrow. Is that what you've heard, that it's tomorrow that they'll talk? He, he told me that. David Kaplan said it was today. Okay. I, you know, so I sent Cap a, a text. I said, uh -huh. Cap, I talked to him at 8.36 this morning because mm -hmm. I checked my phone to see what – Mm -hmm. Time the call was, and I said we talked for quite a while, and then he was going to go look at at tape. Cap says, "Well, he's dropped off at Hallis Hall this morning." I said, "Well," then he was talking to me in the car, and I know he wasn't talking to me in the car. You know, so interesting. I, I don't know. He may have been there and then going to watch tape, but he wanted to get a good. He wanted to watch a bunch of tape because he wanted to get a good feel for, um, you know, what the Bears have, so he he, he knows. You know, yeah. I told him what I thought about that hitch on the top of, of Justin Fields' yes. uh, throwing motion. And he said, he, you know, watch carefully. And then I sent him a text after, and I said, just an FYI, I said, you don't see it when he's throwing on the run. Mm. It's when he's playing in the pocket. Right, right. I said, and, and, you know, so he said, thanks. He goes, I'm, I'm going to watch closely. Mm -hmm. So – 
you know, it, it's to me, he's the guy. Mm -hmm. I was always hoping that in, in the back of my mind. But when I talked to him, I wasn't going to say a word about it because he said it was tomorrow. And the last thing I wanted to do was somebody, you know, is put it out. Let's say I said something to Big Z or something like that. And then he knows my ties with Big Z. In fact, Big Z, you know, that thing you got on at the intro, that's from Big Z coming to D.C. to interview me and Pat. That's right. <laughs> that image, right. <laughs> and so... You know, I, I don't want Pep to lose any confidence in me. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't going to say anything. And then Aaron Wilson down in Houston had it. He obviously got it from somebody in Houston. Mm -hmm. And then David got it from somebody. So then I said, okay, you know, now I'll talk. But I, I just didn't want to, like, I, I would have gone the whole show without saying anything. Right. Well, and that's one of the reasons you got the respect of all the people here. They understand that sometimes, you, you know, you just don't share things because it's it's not good for, for business, as we say, for building relationships. Um, Matthew Fochizi asked about uh, Mike Kafka, the longtime coach. He coached at Northwestern, uh, went on to the Chiefs as the quality control coach, has been with the Chiefs now as the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. He had a long-time career. He jumped around from the Eagles, Patriots, Jaguars, Bucks, Vikings, Titans, and Bengals as a player, so never really was a prolific quarterback, but – Got a lot of good reviews as a quarterback's coach and, and kind of a passing uh, uh, genius, for lack of a better word of, of putting it. What what do you think about Mike Kafka possibly being given an opportunity to call plays for the Chicago Bears? Yeah, well, number one, I, I know Kafka as a player because I, I scouted him. Mm -hmm. And he's a you know career backup type guy. Right. Uh, they got the most out of his ability. A lot of times guys like that turn into great coaches. Mm -hmm. So Pep was a quarterback, but he never got the opportunity to play in the league. Um, he, the, here, here's the only negative I have. He's never called plays. He's going to bring in the same. The offense wouldn't change. Terminology mm -hmm. would be the same. Playbook's going to be relatively the same as it was. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's Andy Reid's offense. But the master isn't wouldn't be calling the plays. And the guy who makes that offense go isn't the enemy, isn't Kafka. It's Andy Reid. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that that and, and if they brought him in for an interview and another guy, you know, you can't interview him until he's done, especially if they win this week. Um and I think they're going to the Super Bowl because I think they're going to be Cincinnati. So you're going to wait two weeks, mm -hmm. two more weeks, mm -hmm. minimum of two weeks. Yeah. Hell, I think the staff's going to be completed in two weeks. Yeah. You know, uh, it's the key positions. Right. And, and two of the games that I look forward to uh, most every year are the Shrine uh, Bowl game and the Senior Bowl game. And I know as a coaching staff, you'd love to have most of your staff available then, so by then, so that you could review tape together and make some uh, 
start giving your coaching staff, excuse me, excuse me, your scouting department input on what you saw from those all-star games. Am I right on that? Well, generally speaking, you always sent the coaches down to the senior bowl, Mm -hmm. not necessarily to the other all-star games Mm -hmm. because of the, you know, the dates of them, you know, some of these guys, some head coaches give these guys a couple weeks off Mm -hmm. after the seat and they deserve it, you know, so in this case, you're not going to, the coaches are going to get involved probably post combine or right around the combine and where if they did it anywhere, anyway, like the way we did it, they're going to, you know, get their short list of guys to do. And then those, you know, at their position, then they're going to go from there. And then, you know, they're, input is matched the same as, as the scouts input. But like I said before, if this Ian Cunningham comes on board, you're going to have Kansas city, Philadelphia and Chicago bear reports. Mm-hmm. And that will be invaluable to the bears. It's, you know, the scouts itself, I think they're all safe until the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, Champ, Kelly, uh, Lucas, depending on who comes in, some of those guys could be out the door in short order. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be Ryan Pohl's decision. Uh, you know, I was kind of surprised how he would, how he Roseman would let one of his chief lieutenants go before the draft. But if it's a, you know, it's, it's an obvious promotion. So he's, he's already director of player personnel, so it had to be a better title than that. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, if he comes in, who from this group is going to go out? Exactly. If any, I mean, and, and maybe nobody, but this is, uh, you know, they might keep him around till the draft, but it's just something to, to watch over the next couple of weeks or even the next couple of days. Yeah. Got a feel for those people in the Chicago Bears uh, scouting department because, you know, you got to do your job. You got to go 100 miles an hour now to prepare for this draft. But there, you, in the back of your mind, you're also wondering, am I going to have a job in May? <laughs> you know, and so that's going to be a, a tough situation for all of us who have wondered about their job status. That's going to be a, a tough situation. I can empathize with them. Well, it, it depends on what their their contractual situation is, too. Okay. Uh, they can have time left on their contract mm-hmm. and they can be let go. But, you know, if they're contracted, contracts from the scouting business usually go like May 1st to May 1st because the draft's a little later. They might been switched to June 1st. It was always May 1st when I was working. Mm-hmm. Um, and our guys always had two to three year contracts. Mm-hmm. So the guy's got a year left on his contract. He's going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, it's not like he's got to go out and get a job tomorrow. Um, but with, with the openings, you only have four GM openings in the league, the Raiders, Minnesota, New York, and Chicago. So reality is how many scouting jobs are really going to be open? Mm-hmm. 
you know, so if a guy does get let go, you know, how is that going to affect them as far as getting another job? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Mule has a question, and I'd like to add to that. He says, Greg, do you favor anyone for our new offensive line coach? And clearly, you know, um, there's a, that's a lot of speculation, but I'll ask you, I'll add more to the speculation. Would you be surprised if, let's say, Pep Hamilton was hired as the offensive coordinator and that he reached out to Harry Heaston for a third term? signed a new contract with Notre Dame. Oh, so he's already locked and sealed and delivered to Notre Dame. In fact, they, they officially announced. I mean, he's been – the deal was done weeks ago. Okay. They do a um, – you know, their background check at Notre Dame before the school will officially allow the hire takes forever. Mm-hmm. You know, so – but Harry was officially announced on Monday – that as the Notre Dame new coach. Good for him. Um, I don't know if Harry would come back for a, a third go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Pep and Harry got a, a very good relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say it's, it's, it's impossible. Right. You know, but Harry's credibility would take a hit. Really? If he had just signed a contract oh, on Monday. Yes. Yes. And then, so, well, I, I, I'm going back to the Bears. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Right. And, and Harry's very good. There's good guys out there. And, and you know, Pep's been around him. Uh, Eberflos has been around him. You know, let, let's see how it, it plays out. But it is an extremely important hire. And there's going to be – there's two. You always have a head guy – and an assistant. And I'll tell you one name that that I don't know how many coaches Eberflus is going to be able to steal off the Colts staff. Yeah, right. You know, a couple went to Philadelphia when Sirianni went there as as, as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say that uh, Borganzi, the linebacker coach, I've read that from a couple people that they feel Borganzi is going to be coming here. Um, that would be great. So. Well, there, you know, there's a tie. We might have mentioned it the other day. I think it's Borgonzi's brother is the assistant GM for the, for the Chiefs. That's correct, yes. You know, so th- there was a tie there with Eberflus and, and uh, Ryan Poles, mm-hmm. you know, because of that. Um, But the, the assistant offensive line coach with the Colts mm-hmm. is uh, Kevin Mawai, former. Oh yeah, yeah. You know the Lions for a long time. Exactly. Is he ready to be the lead guy? I don't have the answer to that. Right. But he's obviously. So I'm throwing a dart at the wall. Hmm. Uh, but you know, did you watch? Any of uh, Hard Knocks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, Mawai got his fair share of of TV time. Yes, he did. And But, you know, he was a pretty good damn player by in his own right. Mm-hmm. He was. So, but that doesn't necessarily translate to being a good coach. But he's been the assistant for a while, and he could be ready to be the lead guy. Mm-hmm. Kevin Moai, a name to uh, pay attention to, everybody. Um, 
I'm, hey, I'm throwing a dart at the wall sure. here. I just... And Mike Monchak's name is coming up a lot in the chat room. What are your thoughts on the veteran offensive line coach, previously an offensive lineman who was great? He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, got a very good reputation. Who was he with this past year? Uh, Munchak was um, was it Titans? Let me, let me do a quick. If he's with the Titans, he can go in anywhere. <laughs> That's probably correct. Uh, Munchak, there he is. Um, yeah, th there could be some of these guys. Some of these guys could come out of college. Mm -hmm. You know, when we got Harry, Harry came from college. Broncos, Broncos. Well, then he, he'd be free. Because um, Nathaniel Hatt Hackett might want to bring in his own people. So, Onchak is. Yeah, uh, I read something already that they might, um, their line coach and run game coordinator at, at Green Bay might be going with Hackett. But I, a lot of times, these people, they try to tie names together and, and speculate. Like, you know, yesterday, Rappaport gave out the name of that Eagles passing game coordinator. Mike Rowe? No, Mike Rowe's the um, Colts wide receiver coach. Oh, the, okay. Um, and Rowe was here once before. That's right. Well, Rowe's, I know Mike Rowe since he was a freaking ball boy with the Giants. <laughs> um, he, um, no, this guy, uh, I forgot the name. He, he's uh, currently the, the passing game coordinator for the Eagles. He was the wide receiver coach for the Colts. And so right away, I, you know, made a call. I go, Oh, I know who you're talking about. Hey, good coach and Palillo or something like that. Yes. Kevin Pat Patulo. Patulo. And he said, I don't think my, the response I got was, I don't think Matt would hire him. Mm -hmm. So, but it was, mm -hmm. I think, you know, Rappaport trying to put one and one together and get two. Sure. And they that might be the same case with, you know, the Green Bay offensive line coach going to Denver. Mm hmm. So, do you think that this staff could be assembled at least a major pieces to the staff before that Shrine Bowl game, which is next Thursday? Well, they're already already starting practice yeah that's right They're, they yeah, start so, practice. No, they, they now even if they are i don't think they'll their presence would even be at the senior bowl really wow yeah i mean you gotta their number one job right now is to find out about the players that are currently here yeah you got to make a plan for those guys and mm -hmm. and you know, it, let's say Ryan Pace and his staff were still here. Uh -huh. Well, then, then it's not as important because at least you got a people in the building that no one understand the players. Mm -hmm. Now you're gonna have a new coaching staff and you got a new general manager. Their number one job is to find out what's here. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you know you work free agency and you work the draft in conjunction. You know that they, they don't have all their picks. They're gonna ha they have needs. We mentioned a little while ago, and mm -hmm. and it's gonna get okay. Where can I get all these things taken care of? Mm -hmm. Where can I get in free agency and it's not gonna break the bank? And then, what do I feel pretty good about in the draft? Right. 
And look at this list of free agents for the Bears. There's uh, over 30 players, including the big names, Allen Robinson, Akeem Hicks, uh, Jimmy Graham. Is you know All three of those guys are likely not to come back, along with Andy Dalton. Uh, probably will not uh, be coming back. But then you've got guys that you might want to rely on for another year or two, guys like Artie Burns and Alec Ogletree and Elijah Wilkinson and on and on and on. So lots of decisions have to be made. Sam Mustafer is not an unrestricted free agent, so he uh, – well, I forgot what that designation is, uh, like a limited free agent. Yeah. So he might be back. Bilal Nichols is another big name that you have to consider trying to bring back. Um, well, I, he's going to be your three technique. You, you, you got to bring him back. Yeah, you have to. So a lot of, lot of decisions. And you're absolutely right. Those guys are watching tape. And it's as painful as that tape is going to be from the 2021 season. Well, you know what? You, when you're watching, you're not watching the game. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> yes. You're watching the player. Right, and that's some of that is going to be painful too. So <laughs> you know that you're, you're you're looking. You know, does he have, especially on the defensive side of the ball, does he have the athleticism I'm looking for at the position? Remember a while ago, we talked about you know when I when Lovey was here, the coaches gave us a profile for every position on the offense and the defense, mm -hmm. you know, of what the ideal player was. Oh, cool. Okay. So we had it written up. We had a, we, we had a, you know, in, in the scouting notebook, there was, okay, this is what we're looking for in a weak side defensive end. This is what we're looking for in a strong side defensive end, mm -hmm. you know, the size, the speed, the arm length, height, weight, everything. So, and, and the skill set. Mm -hmm. So, these guys, I mean, that's standard operating procedure. So you got to find out who's a fit. And, mm -hmm. and and the coaches, when they go through the tape, and it'll be the coaches more than the, the pro scouting staff because the coaches are going to know exactly what they want. Right. And they're going to go through and they're going to say, okay, I want this guy. I don't think this guy can fit. Now, year one, you're going to have to live with some guys right. that might – not necessarily be perfect fits. Mm -hmm. um, and and so that that's another huge thing for the scouting department. Perhaps you can give us a clue as to how that might be working is they're now, uh, I'm sure Mark Sadowski and the other people in that scouting department are having conversations with the new head coach to learn a little bit about what he's looking for and so forth. And so that almost, uh, you know, means that the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinators would be great to bring them on as quickly as possible so that the scouting department now makes changes in what they have done in terms of maybe prioritizing players for this upcoming draft. Well, you still can't, you can't manufacture a player. Okay. The player is what he is, but, and, and looking at the scheme that's been run here, uh -huh. It was, even though it was a 3-4 base, first of all, most of the time they were playing a 4-2-5, mm -hmm. you know, in, in nickel. But the their base 3-4 was not a, a two-gap 3-4. It was more of a one-gap, which is similar to what Iberflus's offense so the, or defense is. So the, the, there's... 
there's a little similarity there, but you still got to have that explosiveness that you're looking for. So, okay, what are you looking for? Well, turn on the Colts tape mm -hmm. and, and look at their defensive line. Now, they must not have been real happy with their defensive line because they fired the defensive line coach right earlier this week. So, and, and that guy had a pretty good, I think his name was Brian Baker, and he had, you know, he had a pretty good reputation, but they didn't get the production from that group that they anticipated mm -hmm. getting. Mm -hmm. And maybe he hadn't gotten the development that they were anticipating getting from some of the young guys. Mm -hmm. So they're going to make a change. Um, you know, I've seen Brian Baker coach. I always, you know, I've seen him in all-star games coach and stuff. And he's always been very, very impressive. But, you know, you're not with him on a daily basis in practice and, and watch how he teaches there. Mm-hmm. I love this question from Ron. He says, which players you think might benefit the most from the coaching changes? A little hard to answer that, of course, because the, the entire coaching staff hasn't been changed. But off the top of your head, do you think like somebody like an Eddie Jackson could benefit from the culture-building aspects and, and the attention to detail and playing to the end of the whistle? Guys like that could benefit from uh, the arrival of Eberflus? Well, put it this way. Eberflus, if you've seen it, and he got this from Marinelli, is loaf. <laughs> they, get grade, they get graded in practice yes. every single play. Mm -hmm. So it, it's time-consuming. Mm -hmm. So it's every play in practice. It's every play in a game. And playtime the following week is determined by how many loaf plays you had the week before. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the way of, of making the players accountable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it having been around Marinelli a lot, uh, and, and I just love watching him in, in, in practice. And he was loved by the players. Loved by the players. Well, yeah, well, he, 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 he wasn't a shithead. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't mean. Mm -hmm. But he... he demanded in fact I, I was listening there was something yesterday and they said oh it might have been Kaplan who said it but he said you're sitting here watching games with with Alex Brown and, and Briggs how excited they get when they see defensive players hustle mm -hmm. you know and, and see them create a turnover and that all came from from Marinelli and Lovey because and and we practiced that every freaking day. While we had a lot of turnovers, we practiced turnovers and practice. There wasn't a pass play in, in seven on seven or in teamwork that Peanut wasn't trying to strip the ball. Mm -hmm. Every <clears throat> single play, the play could be eight seconds over. He's still going after the guy trying to <laughs> to strip it, mm -hmm. and and so that helps the offensive players too as far as ball security, because they knew those guys were coming after it every single play in practice. Yeah, I saw uh, the video of uh, the, our Bears' new head coach talking about loafing when he was still with the Colts, of course, <clears throat> and said, you know, that they – they will decrease the amount of snaps for that player 
if they detect that they have a high loaf rate. You know, if you right. we had you graded at ten loafs, you know, uh, ten plays where you loafed, well, you're gonna you probably see ten fewer snaps, and and that's one of the reasons why they carried a lot of defensive linemen in their four three scheme. They they would carry like eight defensive linemen. Um, yeah, they would well, that, that's not unusual. You got you know you get too deep at every. Position, I think you know defensive end here. That's they got some strong depth here. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You know, right? Out, they're not going to have to make any changes there, mm-hmm. and and you've got a rotation. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree with Herney here. The practice and film should be a big improvement. Tony, the pod boss, has a uh, good one. He wants you to take a look at Troy Anderson from Montana State. Tony loves what he's seen of him in film. He describes him as a faster Erlacher, six foot four, two hundred thirty-five pounds. That has played running back and linebacker. Somebody maybe uh, you can take a look at in the near future, uh, Greg, and, sh- and share your opinion. Right now, but yeah. I, I don't know if he's faster than Erlacher. Erlacher is four or five guy. Well, <laughs> well, that's going to be a good. Erlacher was a safety in college. Uh huh. That's right. You, at New Mexico State, I believe it was where he went to New Mexico. Wasn't it? New Mexico State's down in um, Las Cruces, right next to El Paso. Ah, New Mexico. You're right. Okay. So uh, I write down his name here. Troy Anderson from Montana State, and we'll be talking about that and other uh, potential draft prospects. In the weeks ahead, uh, Greg, I'd love to talk to you again after the Bears have the press conference where they introduce both uh, Poles and Eberflus to the media. Uh, we can react to some of the things they say. So how about we uh, get together again next week, depending on what day uh, the uh, press conference is? Well, yeah, let's keep it open-ended. Or do you think it's better until they get a couple – Hires because you know as well as I do. Yeah. This is going to be tell me what you want to hear. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I hope so. I hope they know. They, you know, I, I again, transparency, I, I use that word cautiously. I know there's a lot that they can't tell us. I absolutely know. But what I want to hear is a little bit about, you know, like Lovey Smith was great. Our, our number one priority is beat Green Bay. That fired up fans and so forth. And so, tell us what your vision is, you know, and be straight for us with us. If 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 it can't happen overnight, then let us know. We, we'll be more patient as fans. It's, you know, give us a year or two, and we're going to have a Super Bowl contending team. Just things that that make us believe in them. And I think that's an important part of of operating a football team is how you handle the public. I, I, I don't disagree, but you know what? That has nothing to do with the the coach and the GM and everything to do with the PR department. I'm with you. I'm with you. I've I've worked and, and, and what they what they feel is is the is the best way to go. Mm-hmm. And and so you have constraints put on you, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know what you're going to say and what you're not going to say. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, everybody. I want to let people know that you should be following Greg Gabriel on Twitter. It's at Greg Gabe. So let me spell it out for those in the audio podcast world. 
That's at G-R-E-G-G-A-B-E. And hopefully you're following uh, me at Barroom Network. Uh, Greg and I will be back in the near future after the coaching staff has been uh, set up and we can uh, delve into those players. And then maybe also sometime after these All-Star games, I know you're going to be looking at them. You did some work over for the Shrine Bowl game, so I know that's that one's going to be particularly interesting uh, to you. Maybe we can talk about that in the near future when we get together. Sounds good. Stay on because I got to talk to you a little bit here. You got it. All right, everybody. We'll uh, be back. I think the guys, the Barfly Tailgaters, are back Sunday morning. They're going to be screaming and hollering about uh, <laughs> everything that's happening at Alice Hall. So join them, I think, at 9 a.m. Central uh, this Sunday. So And enjoy the games this week. Bye-bye, everybody. See ya.